Welcome to ALFC's Message of the Week. Pastor Steve explains the value of having a firm foundation in Jesus. We all matter, and we need one another as the body of Christ. The title of the message really is the foundation, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Can we read that together out loud, just kind of get that in our brain? Let's ready, begin. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. That's um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you'll turn there. Uh, that's where we're going to be today. Or, or, let's see, turn there or turn your devices on. And, you know, the Guatemala team is with us. So, hello, Guatemala team. They're watching. They're actually said they're going to join the service. So, so they're going to, before they leave the airport, so they're going to hang out with us. So, just imagine them all back there, right? And then we have several others that I know are joining us. And we're just happy to have this technology that we can still be connected to each other. Um, you know, it's just interesting when um, you look at this chapter and all that it says, uh, it just, it's like we're living it right now. I was reading this going, we're doing it. We're actually living it. I mean, in Guatemala, we're living it. Here in, in, on, in Kitsap County, Mason County, we're living it. Uh, it's just kind of crazy when you think we, this isn't just a historical a bit of information. This is relevant for us today. Because I was thinking of all the things that are going on. Look with me in, ch- in uh, verse 5. I, there, there's so much to talk about, but I wanted to just pick it up at verse 5. And again, I would encourage you, read the entire chapter. Uh, matter of fact, can I give you homework assignments before I go on? Uh, a couple of homework assignments. Number one, read chapter 3. Okay, and then in preparation for next week, read chapter 4. Would that be okay? You do that and kind of get ready. And then I want you to do something for me. It's important. I want you to pray for Pastor Ken and Pam. Okay, they're on vacation right now. And they'll be coming back. But you need to pray for them to get lots of rest because there's a lot of work for him to do when he gets back. Can you see a of that? <laughs> so make sure that he has a good vacation and gets lots of rest. And when he comes back, he can work really hard. <laughs> Verse 5, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Say that with me. But God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who... Now, that's a, isn't that a great statement? <laughs> you take it at face value. Then, uh, so then neither he who plants is anything, right? Uh, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. So this is an important kind of uh, perspective that we want to make sure we get. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So here, can I give you a nutshell what this is saying? At least this is what I'm interpreting from this. We're nothing and God is everything. <laughs> can you see a of that? I mean, it's, it, I, I'm not sure I totally like it. It's not a little negative, but it's like we're nothing. Well, I mean, obviously we, we plant seeds and we water and so that's an important part. I mean, God, I love the fact that God is saying you're still a part of the process and you're an important part. Remember, God chose us to be part of what's going on. But ultimately, we've got to be very careful to never think too highly of ourselves. Because again, there's a lot of danger in thinking, man, I am an amazing seed planter. No one can plant seeds. I mean, I got this down and like, I'm going to make a living at seed planting or I I know how to water. Let me tell you, I am the best water around. As if somehow that's everything. Here, the word is saying it's nothing. I mean, we do, and so you, you kind of see the tension in that. 
because it is important you do it. This is not like, because I can see, I'm, my concern is, well, then why bother? I don't need to plant seeds and water. If God's everything, let him take care of it. But the, see, then we're missing the whole point of what God's trying to speak to us. God's letting us know, man, we're a team. And we need to function as a team. But you need, also need to realize that you're responsible for your own work individually. You are responsible for, your, for what's going to happen. And you'll be, we'll see in a moment, you'll be rewarded for your work. But the one who brings life is always Jesus. Because again, you can see what happens if we somehow think we bring life in. What, where does that go? If we somehow think we are the life givers, if our watering and our seed planting is what gives life, and that's all important, then what could happen? I mean, you could, get in, you could have cults formed. You could have very unhealthy theology. I mean, all of a sudden everyone's going to miss the life of Jesus because the focus is where? The seed planting and the watering rather than on Jesus who brings the increase. And that's kind of what was going on with the, the church in Corinth. They were kind of thinking, man, we're good stuff. Look at all that we got. And they were forgetting to acknowledge that God was the one who's the giver of life. You know, it, it, it may seem a little trite sometimes when you see, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I have a mixture of feelings. So, you know, the, the, I guess the big thing is, you know, you score a touchdown and you spike the ball and then you cross yourself or you look up to, you know, like you're you know, giving thanks to God. I love that. But I also sometimes I'm questioning about what's going on and, and all that. But there is at least an acknowledgement that, you know, I could not have done this without God. Because who is it that gave me the capability to do that? And, you know, I just, I hope you and I would never forget that God is everything in our life. And it's so easy to get distracted and forget. So God kind of sets us up and says, listen, ministry always is going to involve your participation. You've got to realize if ministry is going to happen, it's because you and I are working together. And for better or worse, God chose a system. And the system that he chose was to use human beings to bring about the work of ministry. You are an instrument in the hands of God. Can you see into that? And so there's something very powerful about that reality. And so the Lord says, look, you're going to be my instrument. I'm going to use you as an instrument, but I'm the one who's going to give the increase. One of my great concerns, and I've said this before, and I, I, I'm just, I want you to remember something that I think is important. The church is so absolutely amazing because of Jesus in the center of it. But I, I'm concerned that we're sleeping. And I, let me say this way. I think the church is in a coma because we are missing so much opportunity. Can you imagine what happened if the church uh, uh, woke up and started, not just us, but I'm talking about across the board, on this planet, if all of a sudden the church at large rose up, it would be a giant force to be reckoned with. Right now, we're a sleeping giant. And I, I'm concerned when I see what's happening with us and that the church is, it's, it's, it's just too sleepy. It's not doing, we are so afraid. And I, I see that was part of the problem in the church in, in Corinth, that there, there, was, there was just something where they were losing their focus. You know, it's kind of like, you remember when Jesus asked Peter, this was an amazing, powerful moment. He's getting ready to go to the cross. 
And so, you know, this is, this is a problem because he says, Peter, why are you asleep? Now, I, I'm going to say this, and I believe it's a prophetic word. I believe God, the Spirit of God's talking to us. Why are you asleep? Why are you asleep? You may be thinking, well, I'm not asleep. I'm, I'm awake right now. I had my Starbucks coffee. That's not, right? That's not what it's talking about. We're asleep because we're not, we are so doing everything else. The, the Corinthian church was in danger. They were, they were starting to fall asleep, and they were moving away from an understanding of their responsibility and the foundation of Jesus Christ and how important that was. Listen, the church is doing the same thing today. This is relevant. Look what it says. Uh, let's continue reading verse um, Let's pick it up here in verse, we read through verse 8, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers, right? We're partners. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. There it is, verse 11, our key verse. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. Verse 15, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. That's a pretty powerful statement. That's a good news, bad news, right? Good news is you're saved and you have eternity. Can you see a of that? Bad news is you're getting burnt up <laughs> or the stuff of your life is being burnt up. And I'm not sure in the imagery, and when you read the Greek in this, this is not like a really pleasant moment. This is not like a happy moment, like, oh, it's no big deal. And I think sometimes you miss this. But this is directing us clearly towards who is the builder. You know, the, the word here, wise master builder, you see that? In the Greek, that's where we get the word architect. And so the Lord Jesus is our architect that is the one who builds. And God has this amazing purpose. And so here's what the Word is sort of telling us. The foundation's everything. It's critical. If you, you, know, if you go and build a home, first of all, Kenya, we already know this. Matthew, right, tells us that if you build a home on sand and you don't have a good foundation, it's just going to get blown away, right? You remember that. But let's say you build on a foundation, but let's say the foundation isn't done right. Some of you know construction. What happens to the foundation if the cement wasn't mixed properly and they didn't put, let's say they forgot, oh, you know, I, I, want, to have, I want to save some money, so I'm not going to put any rebarb in there. You know, I'm not going to bother with that. Who needs rebarb anyway? That's just overrated stuff, right? So we don't need rebarb. I mean, I mean you know, can you imagine building a, scar, a, a skyscraper and say, yeah, you know, we'll just put a cement pad down. We don't need to put pilings into the ground. I mean, that whole idea of going 20 five stories down on the ground to hold this 30-story skyscraper. That's just overrated. I mean, we don't have the money. So what would you think about that? 
Yeah, you wouldn't want to go in that building because that would be a foundation that... It, and, but can you imagine, this is the best building ever, the best house ever. I mean, it's gorgeous inside. But there's no solid foundation. The Word is saying that's a, this is such a critical piece. Can you imagine both? A solid foundation and an amazing building and all this. And what the Word is saying is that's the idea is that we would have both going on and you can't cut costs. Not that way. Now again, I, I want you to hear this. Some of you are cutting costs because you're not willing to lay the foundation and what that means in Jesus. And you're just all about the building. You're all about bringing this construction that would come up. And again, the Corinthian church was guilty of this, and they were forgetting how important it is that Jesus Christ is the solid foundation. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation. If you want eternal life, if you want everlasting life, if you want true substance, if you want a strong destiny, if you want to have the strength that only comes with Jesus. It isn't about anything else other than Jesus. You remember Jesus said in John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes a Father except by me. And so we, we have to be so careful to understand that we need to build a solid foundation and a solid building. You remember the story of the three pigs? I love the three pigs. Do you realize that story was written a really long time ago? Like in the early 1900s? And it was designed to teach children the importance of doing your due diligence, right? And building a good foundation and a good home and not being lazy. The moral of the story is, before I even remind you of it, is don't be lazy. It takes work to do this well. Because there's a big bad wolf that wants to destroy your home. Right? Kind of a, a metaphor of the devil that wants to come and destroy your life. But what happened, the, the three pigs, so you remember mom sent them out and said, you know, go build. And the first little pig was kind of lazy and said, I want to build a quick home. And so he built his house out of straw. Because it's easy, it's quick, just throw it together. The wolf came walking around and he noticed that. And of course, what did he say? He huffed and he said, let me in first. He knocked on the door, I want in. And, uh, of course, the little he said, no, not by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. And he huffed and he puffed. And he, what did he do? Blew the house down. And that little pig took off and ran to his brother, pig, who had built the second house out of sticks, wood. Sticks, really, because it wasn't even really good wood. Because he wanted to do it quick. He wanted it easy. He wanted it simple. He didn't want to spend the time necessary to build a solid home. And, of course, the big bad wolf came by again. And he said, I want to come in. And he said, no, you know. And so he huffed and he puffed. And what did he do? He blew that house down. And just as that little pig was about to, those two little pigs were about to get eaten, they ran to their third brother pig. And they got into the house there. But that house was made of brick. How many of you have never heard of three little pigs? Anyone ever heard of that story? <laughs> Okay, I want to make sure. I was wondering. You guys are not very responsive, right? I'm thinking, do you know this story, right? Everyone knows this story, right? I'm going to huff, I'm going to puff, and I'm going to blow this house down. And what happened? 
He didn't blow the house down. So he tried to find another way in, and he did. And where did he find the way in? Through the chimney. And he came down the chimney, and what happened? He fell into a pot of boiling water. And they cooked the wolf, and they had wolf stew. <laughs> and they survived the big bad wolf because they built a solid house on a solid foundation. And they took the time to do it. Church, listen to me. If you're not willing to build on a solid foundation and take the time to build a brick house, the big bad wolf is going to come by and blow your house down. And you may not have any place to run. And you may be dinner for the wolf. This is what the Word is trying to express to us of how important it is that we lay this foundation down. You know, it, it's so important. God's design for the church is very important. I want to make sure we understand some of it. There's a lot in Scripture that talks about the church, and I want you to get a little bit of an idea because, you know, part of building the church obviously isn't really the building. It's about us, the people, and how we live life. And it's so important that we live life really well. There's a couple things I, wanted, I want you to make sure you understand before you leave today. I think it's critical because these were the critical issues of the Corinthian church. And as you can see, uh, the first one is the church is an interconnected, interdependent community. I want you to think about that. Uh, Acts chapter 2, especially the end there, is just an amazing passage. I've just given you one verse there. So they continued steadfastly, uh, steadily, excuse me, steadily learning uh, the teaching of the apostles and joined in the fellowship. Basically, they learned that we are inter interconnected and we are interdependent. And we've talked about these things before. You and I have to realize that we are a community and we are a family, which I'll talk about in a second, but we need to understand how we are interconnected to one another and how important that is and that we're interdependent upon one another. I, I brought this as kind of an illustration. In. <clears throat> this is a puzzle. I got this a while ago, actually several years ago. Noah's Ark. Everyone knows Noah's Ark, right? So if I handed this puzzle to you, and I open it up, yes, I'm talking to you, okay. You, you don't have to say anything, just smile. And I said, I want you to put this together. You think you could do that? That'd be rough, wouldn't it? Because what's missing? All it says is Noah's Ark. Ah, the picture. I mean, do you think you could build this without the picture? I want you to look at these pieces. You can't even see it. This thing's got 500 little bitty tiny pieces. Can I ask you a question? I thought about this. Why is it that we trust that this box has all the pieces? And we don't trust the Word of God to have all the pieces. Can you imagine buying a puzzle and was missing two or three key pieces? What would happen? It, you'd, be, you'd be calling up the, the company here uh, in China. 
Uh, you forgot a couple pieces here. I can't put this together. Can you imagine what God, what would we say to God if he's, God, where's all the pieces? But it's interesting because now if I handed you, now this is going to, this is the puzzle. This, you, you'd never get this. You see that? You who are puzzle wizards, I mean, this is not an easy puzzle. Look at all the colors and the detail. Can, if you didn't have this, would you even have imagined this being the puzzle? Of course not. Why is it that we forget how important we are? God says, I've given you a picture. The church is you. And if you don't all show up, if you don't all do your responsibility, then we're trying to put a puzzle together without all the pieces. I mean, I want you to think about how important this is. Here, just take, take one and pass it down. Go ahead, just take one and pass it down. Here you go, take one and pass it down. I'm sacrificing my puzzle here. So just take one. Because here's what we're going to do, is we're going to build this before you leave. So you can't leave until we have had a chance to build this. Everyone take one piece, and so now you know uh, what's going on. Rachel, you're going to come and just go ahead and hand it. We need some for the second service. So go ahead, and there you go. Everyone's going to, oh, look at this. You see what happened already? We dropped a piece. This is critical. You would not be able to do the puzzle now. So what piece of the puzzle do you have? Some of you would look at and maybe not be too certain about, you can only have one. I want this one. It's pretty. Okay, take the pretty one. Okay, so now think about this. What would happen if I said, let's build the puzzle for real, and you didn't show up? What happens? Yeah, it's never going to get done. That's the message of, to the Corinthian church right now. How can you not understand the importance that you play? You matter. And if you're not here, the picture's never going to get done. See, and I, somehow we think, well, someone else will have the peace. That's not the case. You have the peace. No one else is getting that piece of the puzzle except you. And so the Word of God is saying, we're counting on you to do this. You know, it's interesting. I think this reflects our heart. I think one of the things that jumps out at me in, in, in the church here is that our heart, our hearts are the source of our attitudes and our actions. You know, Proverbs says, keep your heart, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Our hearts are the source of what's going to be healthy and unhealthy. I mean, you think about the scripture says, it says that what comes out of a man defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thieves, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within and defile the man. Listen, we just read that. 1 Corinthians 3. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's heart. 
I'm substituting heart for work. We can do that. Because it's about what's in your heart. We've got to keep our heart healthy. Can you say amen to that? I was thinking about one of the times when my, one of my kids was about four or so, and they went to the doctor, and our pediatrician was a total crazy guy. He was so funny. I mean, he was hilarious. He was a great kid's doctor. I mean, he would joke around. He wore crazy bow ties, and he always had crazy... I mean, he'd walk in, and he was entertaining, you know? It was really fun going to see him. I think he did that, obviously. And anyway, so he wasn't feeling very good, and, you know, had the fever, so we had the doctor look at him. And so the doctor was playing with him, looked in his ears, and he said, who's in there? And he goes, Donald Duck. Right? The doctor's just playing with him. And, and then uh, he said, no. He looked in his nose. Who's in there? Mickey Mouse. And my son said, No. So, and then he took the stethoscope on his heart and said, well, who's in there, Barney? I'll never forget as my voice said, no, Jesus. <laughs> see, that's a parent moment. Can you see yeah. of that? This is why you have kids. Because of all the other moments, you have that moment, and all of a sudden, you know, of course, he added one little piece. He said, yeah, and he took it to the doctor after he said Jesus. He said, yeah, Barney, he's on my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding that's where he was right <laughs> you know the church is an extended family system and that's really important we understand you know the, I, I love uh, First Peter helps us you know, connect with that because that's what Corinthian church is trying to communicate summing up be agreeable be sympathetic be loving be compassionate be humble uh, that goes for all of you. No exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp tongue, sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. You will be a blessing and also get a blessing. That's what it means to be part of an extended family, is that we can look forward to being blessed as opposed to being put down. I think, again, one of the things the church must learn, that the Corinthian church had to learn, we're going we're gonna to discover so many parallels from the Corinthian church as we go through this series to us today and some of the problems we face today. But as we move forward, can we get a hold of the truth of how it is that we are an extended church family? And, and that is by being compassionate and humble. No exceptions. We all get to do this, so that means no retaliation, no sharp tongue, sarcasm. Instead, we bless one another. And that's such an important part. We are building a church, and let's make it clear, the building is just the place where we meet. The service is what, is what we do. We have services. But you know what? Gathered people with Jesus Christ in the center, that is the church. I believe it's important, and I, I put this in here, that we operate on the basis of relationships and not rules. I believe that. I hope you would too. I believe relationships are very important, more important than, than rules in that sense because of what that means. And I think it's so important that we recognize the importance of relationships. Do you realize I, I, I went and scanned again uh, the New Testament, the amazing number of one another's. 
you know, you know, for example, bearing with one another, being members of one another, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted to one another, be forgiving to one another, speak to one another in psalms and hymns, submit to one another, and on and on it goes. 142 of them. Now, do you think if God repeats himself just twice, it's important? But he just repeated himself 142 times, saying, be an extended family and bless one another. And there's some things you just don't do to one another. And I think the Corinthian church was having a really rough time. Just like I think a lot of churches have a rough time. So, you know, God wants us involved, right? Can you say amen to that? I think it's important that we get involved because God loves people. You know, God's command us to reach out. And God wants us to grow. You know, it's God's will that we grow. Personally, numerically, all of these things. God wants us to grow. And so it's important that, you know, how, how do we get involved? We get involved by realizing that we grow smaller and larger at the same time. And what do we mean by that? Well, it's important that we recognize the large group, but we also recognize the importance of the small group. I will forever want to teach you to understand if you're going to do this church thing well, you need to be part of a small group. Now, again, that can be a class, can be uh, a support group, it can be, uh, you know, uh, a Bible class, it can be an interest, uh, common interest group, it can be, you know, we have so many different opportunities. We started family groups, we have marriage groups, we have youth groups, we have kids groups, we have on, on it goes. We've got all kinds of groups. Why do we do that? We're not trying to keep you busy. We're trying to teach you and to give you health. Spiritual, emotional, mental health. Here is what I know. You cannot be healthy all by yourself. Isolation is the enemy. And so our interaction is critical. And you being married with your two and a half kids is not a small group. I've had a lot of people suggest, I got my small group. I go home, I have my small group. That's not what the Word of God is talking about. You see, you need something outside of that. I have said this repeatedly for the entirety of my ministry, and I want to convince you, because I know it's important, I want you to understand how important it is, that we need to have others in our lives. So that's why we have Explore Church Life. That's why we do things like have lunch with Pastor Steve. You know, that's, and you can be a part of that. You should be a part of that. You can understand what all that means. And we have created all kinds of portals for you to get involved. That's why we have things like an app and web page, Ask Me Team. You can pick up the phone and call and make an appointment and come and talk. You can make a coffee appointment. We are great in meeting you for coffee. And uh, there are so many people that would love to do that. And you can, we can meet outside the office. We can meet inside the office. That's why we have intensive seminars and classes. We're doing all of these things so that we can be who God wants us to be. Now, you've heard the, the say, this is not a biblical saying. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't force them to drink. Again, some of you just aren't taking advantage of this stuff. <coughs> And some of you are, listen, I know you, some of you are like the Corinthian church, and you're thinking, I don't need that. I've got it all figured out. Listen, I have probably done more schooling and education training than most of you, especially in, in this area. 
I need it still. I will never not need it. Larry's got an amazing amount of education. I know he knows he still needs it. There is all of us, we need this. Well, I'm too busy. So you're too busy to have life? Again, I, I, all I can tell you is that it only works when you participate. If you don't do this, you're in trouble. We are going to walk through instruction of the Holy Spirit. We do the study of the Bible, God's will. Uh, we've got a great uh, opportunity coming up on, on biblical finances in September. I bet some of you would like to have more information. We are going to, uh, uh, Mike Waring is going to be leading the charge. He has studied, prepared. This guy is amazing. He's got an amazing amount of education. He knows what he's talking about. And he is going to bring a seminar for four weeks on biblical finances. Why are we doing that? I know some of you just thought, well, so we can give more. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm kidding with you, sort of. Because <laughs> we know that one of the biggest stressors in life is finances probably the number top three reasons why people divorce finances the thing that tears apart families finances the thing that causes anxieties and stress finances the thing that injures your mental health and it's all because not not you don't have enough you don't handle what you have well so that's why we do stuff like that is to show because god word the word of god has so much to talk about we believe at abundant life here in this church that we want to maximize ministry and minimize maintenance. Here's what that means. We want to be more about ministry and doing than we are about administrating and doing paperwork. Listen, I do not like paperwork. I'm not crazy about a lot of meetings, but I believe it's important to do ministry. And so we're going to do everything we can to continue to do ministry. Listen, we all matter. Do you know that you matter? I want you to read, I, I, I'm going to read this kind of as, a, as, a, as an end uh, point. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to come back to this later, but you've got to listen to this from the message. This is Eugene Peterson's the message, right? It says, but also I want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. Right? For no matter how significant you are, it's only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. <laughs> what we have is one body with many parts, each in its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine an eye telling the hand, get lost, I don't need you? Or a head telling the foot, you're fired? Your job has been phased out? I love how he writes this. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but you can't live without a stomach. You, you, 
you get a little paper cut on your finger and you're going to die. <laughs> That's how powerful this is. You all matter. Will you walk out today holding that piece of the puzzle and maybe put that someplace so you can look at it and be reminded you matter. You may think you don't matter. You matter. You matter to Jesus. You matter to us. You matter to me. You really do matter. And if you've ever had that thought like you don't count, or it doesn't matter whether you show up. It doesn't matter whether you do ministry. It doesn't matter whether or not you do X, Y, Z. You're wrong. You really matter. Can you see of that? Thank you for listening. Tune in each week and be greatly inspired and move to deeper revelation. For service times and other resources, go to our website at alsc.us or download our app.